welcome to another episode of Woman Advantage. I am very excited and not at all fangirling over having Allison Lucan from The Athletic here with me today. Welcome, Allison. Oh my gosh, I am fangirling. This is such an awesome idea and I am truly, truly, truly honored to be on the show. Yeah, when I had the idea, I was kind of spitballing with a friend of mine and my first thought was like, oh my God, what if I could talk to Allison? And... (laughs) And she, yeah, no, she was equally excited if that helps because she's a huge Blue Jackets fan. So she was Yay. like, oh my God, if you talk to Allison, you have to tell me all about it. So I was like, no, you'll just have to listen. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll get started with kind of a softball question. Um, how did you get started in hockey? <laughs> yeah, this is, it's always fun to hear these stories. Mine is nowhere near exciting. I had been skating since I was a little girl. My dad had played in high school, nothing special, but he had hockey skates and I thought they were the coolest thing. And he had a scar on his hand where someone had skated over his hand in a game and his glove was off. And um, we didn't have hockey in Columbus when I was little. Um, it came just as I was leaving for college, but started to to really, really, really follow it um, as I moved around the country from my previous job, uh, was in D.C. for a while, so the Caps were my team. And when I came back to Columbus, just had the opportunity to start writing about them and and was able to have opportunities along the way to keep writing about them. It's pretty straightforward. (laughs) Yeah, it's still really cool to hear kind of the stories of people who got into hockey as kids or who got into hockey in later life. So it's like, it's a fun bag of like, what am I going to get when I ask this question? (laughs) So you mentioned your previous career. Um, How do you think your, you know, pre-hockey career prepared you for what you're doing now? Yeah. So before this, I was the obvious career path of a strategic planning consultant, just like every other writer. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Um, But, um, you know, it's given me a lot of good basics. I mean, it's it's given me some foundational ways to do analysis, to do writing, to do time management type stuff. But in terms of what I write about, I like to bring in some of the stuff I was passionate about in that part of my life, which is leadership, um, communication skills, team building, how teams work. So looking at that kind of stuff, I think is really interesting. I think that too often that falls into cliches in sport. And so really digging into how the guts of that really works off the ice is something that I really, really enjoy. And because it's a little different, I've been fortunate that a lot of times coaches and players will talk to me about it as well. You do a really great job of kind of marrying the, you know, on ice game itself, the analytics and like the people who are playing. How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's actually, it's funny. A couple of people have asked me that and it's, um, it actually just comes from me questioning stuff. Um, Basically, uh, this was a few years ago, I was already writing about hockey, but doing more traditional writing and and analytical based writing was still not really on the forefront. And um, the idea, Ryan Stimson had come up with the idea of shot assists, which was the idea that there was value in seeing which players created passes or plays that led to shots, not just assists of goals, but assists of shots. So the stat community was saying that this mattered. I was just getting into stats. And so me being kind of nervous to write about it, not fully understanding the math behind it, I said, well, to myself, well, does hockey think that matters? And so someone had tracked some games, uh, J.D. Burke, actually, who's out in Vancouver, and he had said that Alexander Wenberg on the Blue Jackets was the best, the most effective at shot assists. 
So the next day I went into the locker room and I talked to John Tortorella and I asked him if he thought that mattered. And he said yes and gave me a great answer. And I talked to Alexander Wenberg about it and I talked to other players about the value of that. And they all said it mattered. Um, and I wrote an article and when my editor said it was going up, I was terrified <laughs> because <laughs> I was convinced that I was going to make a complete fool of myself. Um, and I will never forget this to this day that Prashant Thayer um, tweeted it out and said that it was good hockey writing. And that was just such a huge gift to me at that time. And it was kind of the reinforcement to do what I do. And now when other people start doing what I call data-driven storytelling and, and cite my work as inspiration, that that just that just means the world. That's awesome that people think that this is a good approach and that they want to try it too. Yeah, it's always great when I see you've posted something because I know that I'm going to get the kind of like the meat of what's happening analytically, but also like how it happens. And it's going to make sense to me in like my non-math brain because I, <laughs> I know in my brain that analytics are really important and that like understanding that is important for making a good team. But I'm just like, it looks fun. <laughs> like, this is a nice start. <laughs> so reading your right. stuff and people who have kind of built on what you've done is really good for me as kind of a gateway into those advanced stats. Yeah. I mean, I think like the math is super important, right? Because we need that to prove that these ideas are truly valuable and truly either descriptive or predictive. But but my goal is exactly what you said. It, there's an audience for that high-end math, but I remember going to some of my first analytics talks and being like, I, I don't know what you're saying <laughs> at all. And so my goal is to say, here's the lesson, here's the takeaway. People in the game say it matters too, or here's maybe what they say we don't see or what we're not looking at. Here's how it actually works. Here's the action behind what the numbers measure. And hopefully helping people who are interested in that kind of stuff come away learning something. Yeah. I always feel smarter after reading your writing, Aww, which is nice. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So um, what was kind of the catalyst that got you into you know, writing advanced stats? And I know that you're doing some work in R, which is, um, from what I've heard, a nightmare. So kind of... <laughs> <laughs> what was that evolution like for you? If you had told me I would be doing work in R years ago, I probably would have called you a liar. But um, <laughs> it, it's actually a funny story. And people who know me well, this is quite telling as to how I operate. But um, we were actually at a game and we were looking at the scoreboard. And as most people see at any game, the one stat that's always highly accessible is shots on goal. And I said, well, there was a shot and it, it didn't go onto the counter of shots and goal. And I said to the person I was with, well, why didn't that go on the board? And the person said, well, a shot on goal is technically defined as one that the goalie interacts with or hits the post or goes in the net. I'm like, well, but th that was still a play. Like something happened there. And they were like, well, yeah, but that's not a shot on goal. And of course I was infuriated and thought this was ridiculous and illogical and wasn't do the stat wasn't doing its job. And uh, this is right around the time that Corsi was becoming more publicly accessible. And, and that's what Corsi is. It's a missed shot, a block shot, or a shot on goal. It's any attempt that goes towards the net that has shown to be predictive in terms of the more Corsi that you have, the more likely you are to score a goal. I mean, it makes sense. It's not crazy convoluted stuff. And it made sense to me. It was that. And I decided to start going down this path of things that made sense versus things that didn't. And you know, also, honestly, as a woman, it was valuable for me to be able to say, this is true what I say I think, and this is true what I'm saying I know, because you couldn't be questioned as much if you had data 
to back you up. And sometimes for women, that's a thing. So it was valuable to me in that way as well. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. And again, very impressive. Um, my good friend Megan Hall is excellent at R, but you know, a year ago, a genius. I think you, if you had told her she'd be great at R, she would have laughed in your face. Um, so it's really fun to hear like a lot of women are getting into that. And kind of on that note, it does seem like more and more women are getting involved in hockey and the analytics side of the community than ever before. Um, do you think like there's a reason for that? I mean, I think it's it's like anything. I think that we have people. We have people who were strong enough to start doing it publicly. Um, I think back to Jen Lute Costello, who, when I was just coming on the scene, was really the only woman in this space. And she did it unabashedly and proudly and was also just incredibly welcoming to those of us who were coming into the space. And now we have Asma and Namita and Megan and seeing it, it's like anything. It's like what I say about getting little girls involved in hockey in all areas. When a little girl goes in a rink, where does she see herself? She's right now, nine times out of 10, she only sees herself in an ice girl. We don't show women where they can be. And now we finally have women showing other women where they can be. We have women like asthma encouraging other women and minorities and people of color to get involved through mentoring programs. And a shout out to to the men in our community who've been so welcoming. I mean, Prashanth, as I mentioned, was hugely instrumental in me feeling comfortable. Ryan Stimson has been amazing. Sean Tierney, and, and I would be a horrible person if I didn't thank my editor, um, when I was with the Blue Jackets, Rob Mixer, who gave me a job when I didn't have a job and kept encouraging me and, and helped me feel comfortable in the space. So there are advocates and then there are visionaries. And I think we're reaching critical mass with both finally. Yeah, it's seemed like even in the last couple of years since I've gotten more involved in kind of the hockey side of Twitter and just the internet, instead of just watching that I've seen like the number of women doing cool things just like totally, explode, which I love. Totally. It's, great. it's so awesome. It's so <laughs> we used to I made this podcast. <laughs> it, we used to count like there are two women at this year's, you know, hockey analytics conference. And now it's great that that it's more it's way more than two. It can still always be better, but it's way more than two. Yeah, it's great. There was even a line at Seahack for the I bathroom. <laughs> so beautiful. Good. So yeah. good. Um, and speaking of Seahack. I saw you present at Seahack, and I am not just pumping your tires when I say I think about your presentation like at least twice a week. Aww. Like when I'm reading articles, I'm like, they should have listened to Allison's conversations. <laughs> um, so without doing the whole 45-minute spiel, can you kind of explain how you approach talking to analytics about coaches and players who might not really care about the fancy stat side of hockey? Yeah, so this I'm I'm very passionate about this and and this is where, you know, like we talked about my previous career comes into play because if if you want to communicate, the burden is on you to effectively communicate. And so that means knowing your audience and it's been said by many and I support this position that a player doesn't necessarily need to nor should know about quote unquote analytics or quite frankly, any stat. They're there to do a very different job that should be driven by coaches. Now, coaches use some of that information. GMs definitely do. But my job when I go in to talk to a coach or a player, you know, I shared the shot assist story. I didn't go in and say, particularly to John Tortorella, John, what do you think of shot assists? Um, first, because, and even now, a lot of what we're doing is new. Like these aren't commonplace terms or concepts yet. 
So you can't go in and, and throw around jargon that's not accessible to people. That just turns people off because then because mm-hmm. you'd never want to say, I don't know what that is, right? You want to look like mm-hmm. you know, so you give some boilerplate answer. So you have to understand what it is you're asking about and talk about it in their language. So like I said, I don't I didn't go in and say, What do you think of shot assists? I said, John, how valuable is a player who can make plays that allows their teammates to get a shot off based on their pass or how they deliver the puck to them. And that starts a conversation. Or like even today we were talking about um, offensive zone time and you don't go in and say, I see that your ozone starts are higher or lower. You know, you say, are you feeling like you're getting more face-offs in the offensive zone? Why does that matter? Does it matter? Are we putting too much emphasis on it? If we're talking about the penalty kill, I don't sit down and say, I see your zone entries are way up. You know, it's it's finding ways to translate the concepts that I want to explore into just everyday language that makes sense to the people who I'm asking the questions to. That's such a great way to approach just basically everything in life, but particularly what you do. So, yeah, you you just you seem to have really good access in Columbus. I know that you used to be the team writer for NHL.com, correct? Yep. Yep. For a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm assuming that kind of helped foster your relationship with the team. But in you know the time since then, what have you kind of done to foster your relationship with the team and the staff to keep your access so great? <laughs> I mean, I think that you know time definitely matters. I've I've been there for quite a few years now, and you you show up. I mean, FaceTime matters, so you do that. Um, I think that you it's important to acknowledge what you don't know. Um, and to be fair and to, like I th- so many of your your previous guests have mentioned, you know, be prepared. Um, that goes a long way because if you go in and you're wasting someone's time or – I always say, <laughs> please do one Google search, just one. I'm just asking you to do <laughs> one Google search before you ask a question of anyone and you'll just be that much more informed. Um, and, you know, I am fortunate that I'm in a smaller market where – someone like me coming from a non-traditional background and and a woman can get the opportunity to kind of solidify a place. I don't know if that happens in a market like Pittsburgh maybe or Washington DC just because there's so much bigger markets. So um, that certainly helped me out too. That's it's awesome. You guys do such great coverage of in Columbus just in general, but Again, particularly your stuff. Maybe I'm biased. Well, thank probably you. Biased. <laughs> I'm going to have to write you a check after this is over. <laughs> Everyone, go subscribe to The Athletic on yes, Allison's please. page. Yes, please. <laughs> In addition to writing about the Blue Jackets, you also cover Ohio State um, and mm-hmm. their hockey program. So yep. what is the biggest difference between covering college hockey and covering the NHL? Oh, my gosh. I am so glad that I've been able to do this, um, cover both the men's and the women's program, because it it is, it, first of all, it's a blast. Um, and second of all, I think it does really teach you a lot of lessons about how good you have it when you cover the NHL and also how great just hockey is. I mean, there's is so much focus that we often neglect quote unquote, lower level programs. And there's just so much great stuff with so many great stories happening at all levels. It's a really different community because you have parents around all the time. So you're often sitting next to a parent. So you have to be careful what you say or what you might think. Um, But they're also so appreciative of your coverage. And a lot of times, particularly with women's teams, and this is when I get really frustrated when women's hockey does not get as much coverage, sometimes there's a lot more character because these aren't people who have 
necessitated going through a lot of media training. For example, they're just who they are and they're out there having fun. Um, they're having a blast. And, and I think that the the most tactical difference is that people who go to NHL games or who watch NHL games at home, you don't know how good you have it in terms of the information that's available to you, even basic replays. I mean, that's not a thing that happens at all college games, particularly women's games. There aren't even time on ice stats. There aren't a lot of the basic stats that we take for granted. And I think that's really good because it challenges someone like me. You, you better darn well pay attention to that whole game because if you don't, you're, you, there's there's no film. <laughs> there's no online <laughs> review the highlights a lot of times. So that's a big difference too, but I love it. I love, love, love covering both of those teams. Yeah. You wrote this really great article last year about the Ohio State's women's team and they're like scars and i oh yes again like you write pieces that kind of just stick in my head and that was one of them because i had never seen like a woman's team covered in that way usually when you see women's coverage it's a little more dainty and i really appreciated like the nitty-gritty like kind of gory details of the that story and and what's so cool about that is that came out of and this goes back to you know just being around and paying attention that came out of a random post-game conversation with one of the players. She just started telling me, telling me about her scars. And I was like, oh, would you do this? And those women are such badass. Like even the one girl her, had been stepped on a skate on the side of her body. And I was like, you know, I didn't want to make her uncomfortable if she didn't want to show that completely openly. And she came into the room and I said, have, do you have any thoughts on how you want to photograph this? She's like, I was thinking just me and my sports bra sitting in a chair. I'm like, yes, like you go girl. Like, cause that's exactly what I thought too. But you know, I wanted her to be comfortable with that. So it was, it was awesome. Yeah. That's like the coverage of women's hockey is getting better. And I think part of the reason it's getting better is because one more people are paying attention to it, but two, there are all these really badass women who are playing the sport who are like, let me talk about it. And it's, it's great. Exactly. Um, so exactly. Yeah. So do you feel like you are treated any differently at your job than like the men you work with? And if so, what ways? I mean, of course you are. I mean, and there, there are good and bad things. I mean, it, listen, it's certainly not a nightmare. Let's be very clear about that. But, you know, there's, there's little things like walking in with the team and security thinking you don't belong there. Um, then there's little silly things like a player or a coach cursing and then apologizing to you. And I'm like, listen, you need to spend more time with me because I am <laughs> by no means clean in the way I speak. Um, but it's it's definitely different. And I think it's unfortunate because it really can crystallize in those moments that it's not commonplace and it's not natural for all men to see women as equal. And that's not a dig on those men. That doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just we still have so far to go um, to get to a place where the difference isn't first the first thing that they see in terms of you're a woman and then you're all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think it's been especially apparent to me that those differences are still there after watching kind of the Astros fiasco that happened in the last few weeks. Yes, and exactly. Just, you know, that's kind of, you know, got me thinking about how frequently that probably happens to women who cover right. sports. And right. just, you know, when you have someone on on the mic right now who does that for a living, you always got to ask. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, and those, listen, I don't want to diminish those stories. I've been 
very fortunate that my worst stories come nowhere close to that. And I've been very fortunate that, you know, for the most part, the organization I've covered has been awesome, but it, we still have a long way to go because there are, there are little things and there are big things and, and they're still happening. So. Yeah. <laughs> which is a bummer, but Hey, yes. we're moving forward, which is important. Indeed. Yeah. So you've been working, you know, in and around hockey for a pretty long time at this point. You know, where do you see yourself going next? Do you want to be, you know, doing this or do you want to be doing something, you know, kind of bigger or broader? Yeah, it, it's it's such an interesting question because I, I love what I do. I'd love to, um, you know, writing is always a, a challenging industry to be in, no matter what you're writing about. So um, you're always, you know, fighting for that stability and I do toy with, I don't know if this will ever become a thing, particularly because there's going to be other priorities for teams, but even just doing the work that I do, I'd love someday to even counsel a team on doing this, even if it's not me doing this, but looking into the idea of like translator roles, because as analytics become so huge or should be becoming huge in mm -hmm. teams, finding people who can be that bridge to take those brilliant, brilliant, brilliant analytical minds who may not always be expert communicators, nor should they be expected to be, take that and translate that to the quote unquote layperson, the coach, the staff, the management, people like that, and, and kind of be that bridge back and forth so that those analytics can be as valuable as possible. And so that those analytical minds can be applied as purposefully as possible. And there isn't a lot of miscommunication going back and forth. So whether it's helping teams implement that role or maybe even being fortunate enough someday to do that role, I think that would be super cool. Yeah. I think that that is such a good idea. I was talking to someone about that the other day, just how, how often are like important details missed because right, just of a right. miscommunication between the analytics department, the GM, and then the coach. Like exactly. what, what's being missed there? And if there's someone whose job it is to be that kind of linchpin, like those details wouldn't be missed. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's, oh God, you're just, you're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we kind of have talked about this a little bit, um, but how do you think that hockey could just be more inclusive in general? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that that my job is all about is to notice things that other people don't notice and to learn about things that aren't common knowledge. And so I guess, you know, that's what I would challenge people in hockey to do is the same thing. Notice when you walk into a rink and there's no people of color in, in, in your fan base. Notice that there, like I said, there aren't any women that a female fan can see when she sits down in a rink other than ice girls to say, Ooh, I like this thing. Wonder if I could do something in this game sometime as a job, notice things and learn about things you don't know. You had Kat Silverman on a few weeks ago and she was just so brilliant about listening. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's missing is that it's okay for us to say, we don't know, gosh, I don't know what another woman's experience is, let alone what every man's experience is, what every person of color's experience is. If someone different than you comes in, why not learn about them and how they're perceiving the world around them? And I think if we could each take time to do that, we would execute all of our jobs better no matter what we did. And I mean, gosh, you hear all the time people say, you know, if only someone would have given me a break. I mean, we're talking about an industry where people get hired to jobs that they have literally no experience in because <laughs> they played the game. And I get it. I mean, that's not a ding. I get it. And plenty of those people have gone on to be successful. But 
why don't we challenge ourselves to say, we're going to bring in other people who have no direct experience, but are talented and promising and different than us to make our thought process better and our execution better. Yeah. Yeah. That's like such a great point. And what really sticks with me is the how you talk about how girls go to games, they don't necessarily see someone who looks like them at the game. And I was at the Sabres game last night and the intermission, you know, they usually play like a peewee team or whatever, but this time the intermission was a U16 girls team. Mm. And it was just like, I had never seen that before. And there was a girl behind me who was like, dad, do you see her ponytail? And I like, it just like lit up my, like they lost and it was not fun in that respect, but like having that (laughs) at intermission, just it, it was something new that I think you know, teams should explore and maybe they are and I'm just biased. And I'm like, the Sabres are doing a good thing. <laughs> well, and, and it is, it's small steps. And I think even for people in my position in writing, you know, if, I mean, there are, there are women around this sport and, and when you write about them, center them, like this is a silly example, but I wrote about the hockey players, wives and girlfriends doing jackets for the playoffs. It's a thing that a mm-hmm. lot of teams do. And because I was talking to the women, the story was about the women. And when I talked to their husbands, I referenced them in context of their wives. So instead of saying Cam Atkinson's wife, Natalie, I said, Natalie's husband, Cam. And it meant something to me. And then there were enough notes about it in the comments that women said how much it meant to them. Like, that's what we're missing here, guys. We're missing an opportunity to connect with people who are desperate to be really super connected to this game and this sport. And even if it comes down to cold, hard cash, which I totally get in respect because it's business, the more you connect more and more people, that's more cash. So why not take the time to learn about those groups and connect with them in a meaningful way? Yeah, exactly. You know, if you were to do little things that made the game more inclusive to not just women, but to people of color and, you know, made things more accessible, you'd sell more tickets and, you know, more merchandise, which is why it always seems silly to me. (laughs) They're like, oh, but it's for the men. (laughs) Right. Or the pink sparklies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Don't get me started on the pink sparklies. I know. I know. My least favorite. Um, so how do you think that we can get more women involved in hockey? Like, is there something that the people listening to this podcast can do to kind of help that happen? Yeah. I mean, I think that it, some of this has to be intentional. I did a little experiment two years ago. Um, I was doing a series of stories on Blue Jackets prospects. And the challenge I gave to myself was you can only use women sources outside of the players. So for any prospect that I wrote about, I had to find someone who covered that league or that team or that conference who was a woman. Um, And it was really freaking hard. I'm not going to lie. Now I found a lot of brilliant women who I could cite, but there were plenty of women I couldn't find because They don't have the opportunity. So intentionally make space for those women. If you see a woman writer, read her stuff. The clicks matter. Um, Make a comment. The comments matter, even if it's just for the writer to know that her work has meaning. Go to the games. Support groups like the Black Girls Hockey Club. Find ways to say, I see you and I'm paying attention. Um, Because again, all those things ultimately lead to the systems that keep those operations in place. If people don't read stories on women's hockey, there is no more coverage on women's hockey. If people don't read women writers about anything, then those women writers don't stay employed. I mean, that's that's how business works. 
Um, so f- make it intentional to find those women's sports coverage and those women writers and read them and support them and share them. That's really great advice. And, you know, I, I kind of find myself sometimes reading a lot of men because a lot of men cover sports. Sure. And when yeah. I found myself reading we all articles do, yeah. by like four men in a row, I'm like, no, the next article is a woman. <laughs> I mean, I think that's too, like, bring a woman to a game even and look around at, at groups you're you're putting together and say, are there women here? Are there people of color here? It, you can find them. They're out there. And <laughs> just, just bring them along for the ride. And it just even if it's just increasing the diversity in the stands, I think that that starts to send a message too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's really important to like introduce new people to the game and not treat them like they're stupid for not understanding right. the game. Like right. I have friends who ask me questions because I don't patronize them when I respond. Right. And like, I think that's another important, like for me, at least I try to do that where someone's like, what is offsides? And instead of being like, you don't know what offsides is, yeah. I actually explain it to them and find video for them to watch so they can actually understand it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what advice do you have for a woman who'd like to get started in hockey or in sports writing? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, just write. I mean, whether you start on a blog or your own site or, you know, you're applying for jobs, just start writing it. The more and more you write, the better and better you'll get at it. I can say this is true because I look back at stuff I wrote when I was starting out. And I'm like, oh my God, that was so bad. But <laughs> just keep writing, even if it's just to yourself. Um, and the other thing is find your support group. I mean, there are women, every time we come across each other in this crazy hockey space, whether it's women who are employed by teams or women who are writers, we we know what's going on. And there's always kind of a nod and a smile and and we have groups where when you have a really bad day, you can DM with that person and share the really crappy thing that happened to you or celebrate the victory that you had. And that will get you through a, a lot of rough days. And it has yet to be my experience to find a woman who doesn't get it and doesn't want to lift up other women because we all know what it's like. And so find that group. If there's a woman listening to this who wants to reach out to me, my DMs are open. Reach out to me because we only get through this together and we only increase numbers if we all stay in it. So um, that's just as important as working at your craft. God, you're just you're just so kind and open. It's the best. I'm sorry. I am really fangirling, guys. I lied at the beginning. I am fangirling. <laughs> well, and listen, it's because people have done it for me and we have to pay it forward because there are just there are so many incredible women. I mean, you've had Shane on the show. Every woman you've had on the show is just as I listen to your episodes and you have a gift to release them on a day when I really need to hear them. Maybe something negative has happened in my day. And it, this is how it works, folks. We're all, like I said, we're all in this together. So see what works for you and, and do it for others. Yes. Yeah. That's a really great way to end the podcast. So on that note, is there anything that you want to plug? What are you working on? What's coming down the pipeline? <laughs> well, continued Blue Jackets coverage, everyone's favorite team, I know, <laughs> um, but continuing to look at analytics um, and some Ohio State hockey, um, keeping those stories coming. And you can follow me on The Athletic um, and also on Twitter. I'm at Allison L. Yes. And you guys can find me at hburrito92, which is a very mature adult Twitter handle. Uh, And thank you for listening. If you have a woman that you think I should have on that I haven't had on yet, please let me know. I really want to make this as inclusive and diverse as possible. So thank you for listening. And Allison, thank you so much for coming. Oh my God. Like I said, I was so excited when you asked. It's such an honor. And please keep this going. This is just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful show. As long as people want to come on, I will keep (laughs) it. 
Bye, everyone. Bye.